June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Good morning to you and welcome to CBS This Morning. It's Wednesday, May 12, 2021. I'm Gail King. That's Anthony Mason. That's Tony DeCopel. It's in the Middle East with the worst fighting between Israel and Palestinians in nearly seven years. <laughs> Listen and look at those pictures. You are looking at Israeli missiles exploding in Gaza overnight, just one of the many attacks since this latest confrontation flared up. Palestinian militants have fired hundreds of rockets at Israel. About 50 people have been killed on both sides, including some children. Elizabeth Palmer is following all of this. Elizabeth, what led to the violence to begin with? Good morning to you. Good morning. Well, this round of violence actually started weeks ago with an Israeli court order to evict some Palestinian families from their homes in East Jerusalem. But it really caught fire over the weekend just gone by when Israeli police clashed with Palestinian protesters around the very holy Al-Aqsa Mosque. Now, of course, it's morphed into open war. Overnight, Israeli airstrikes pounded Gaza again. The target, says the Israeli military, are Hamas and Islamic Jihad leaders and their installations. The material damage is immense. And for humans in this overcrowded enclave, there is no safe place. Nine-year-old Yazan Zahara happened to be in the street when a missile exploded with shrapnel. The Palestinian Health Authority says 43 people have died this week, including 13 children, and hundreds are wounded and traumatized. The counterattack on Israel by Hamas and Islamic Jihad has been relentless, too. Yesterday evening, a rocket barrage lit up the skies over Tel Aviv, while on the ground, sirens wailed and people ran for cover. Israel's military says more than a thousand rockets have been fired from Gaza. Six Israelis, including a child, have been killed since Monday. The casualties and the damage would have been greater, but for Israeli interceptor rockets, the so-called Iron Dome, which blew most of the incoming missiles to pieces. But this is not just an air war. There's been violence on the ground, too. Last night in Ramallah on the West Bank, Israel's military fired tear gas to chase away hundreds of young men who, like most Palestinians, have had enough of the Israeli occupation. And there is no end in sight. Israeli's defense minister this morning said that more attacks were coming on armed Palestinian groups to bring what he called total long-term quiet. Tony? Yeah, no end in sight. Liz Palmer in London. We should recall that this is going on in Gaza, which is the size of Philadelphia, yes. in a country that's barely bigger than Vermont. And the end result is that each night, 
families and children are going to bed afraid, terrified. Including, but Tony, that made me think about you. Last including my own. Your own children. Including my own. And some people two may know. I, I have two there. older kids yeah. who, who live with their mother in Tel Aviv. They spent yeah. the night in an air raid, uh, in a shelter. Mm -hmm. uh, my daughter was in tears. Uh, and I'm also acutely aware of the fact that over in Gaza, there are children going to bed in a pile of rubble, not getting up. Yeah. And so you have a situation where for decades now, leaders on both sides seem to be finding the war instead of finding the peace. Mm -hmm. And until that dynamic changes, our children, my children, are going to be fighting and dying. Do you feel they're safe? Because how old are your two older children? Uh, almost 12 night. and yeah. 9. Yeah, yeah, so they're very well aware of what is they're happening. They're very well aware. And, and, and when I say our children will be fighting and dying, I mean, my 12-year-old will be going to the military in six yeah. years. And, and, and everybody is sucked into the conflict in that region until there is a push or a restart to a search for peace. And when you have two people for one country, there's got to be two countries. It's the only way to do it. And I feel for you doing this job, worrying about your yeah, kids, about your new kids. baby on the way. Yeah. Oh. Meanwhile, yes. here in America, yes. we do have problems, though. They are different in scale. Disruptions at gas stations across the southeast as a critical pipeline remains shut down due to a cyber attack. Huge lines formed across multiple states yesterday as panicked Americans started a run on gas. So according to Gas Buddy, nearly 1,800 gas stations are out of fuel. Florida, Virginia, North Carolina, and Georgia have declared states of emergency. While American Airlines says it is adding stops to some long-haul flights so planes can refuel. Our lead national correspondent, David Begno, is in Atlanta. David, good morning to you. The average price for a, ga a gallon of gas is right now at the highest it has been in nearly seven years. How are people reacting? People are panicking, Tony, and it's hurting all of us. Take a look at this picture out of Alabama. This lady filling up gas cans in the back of her vehicle is exactly what we're all being asked not to do. Where we are in Atlanta this morning, 30% of stations are reportedly out of fuel. This is like when we ran out of toilet paper and Lysol during the pandemic because everybody made a run on the grocery store. We have enough gas in this country. It's just a matter of hauling it to where it needs to be. So please, experts are asking, don't panic. We got a call from family that said, you better fuel up before you hit Tennessee. There is panic at the pump from Virginia all the way down to Florida. I was suspected just prices would go way up. I didn't suspect that there wouldn't be any the next day. Hundreds of gas stations across the region are starting to run out. We put a stop to the can sales today. People were coming in and loading, trying to buy, you know, five and ten cans worth of gasoline. They're just hoarding it. The pipeline sends oil from Houston, Texas to Linden, New Jersey, near New York City. Hackers breached the company's computer system, so Colonial was forced to shut down the pipeline, cutting off a major source of gasoline, jet fuel, and diesel to several states. Here's what panic buying could do. Hurt consumers long term, warns Gas Buddy Petroleum Analyst Patrick DeHaan. The first thinking is, oh boy, prices are going to skyrocket and I need to fill everything I can with gas. And so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that actually makes the problem much more acute. This chaos left in the wake of Colonial Pipeline's ransomware attack has heightened concerns about America's cybersecurity. The energy grid and water supply have almost no federally mandated cybersecurity protections. And that vulnerability is costing millions of dollars. Listen to what Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said on Tuesday. Much, um, 
More than $350 million in losses are attributable to ransomware attacks this year. That's a more than 300% increase over last year's uh, victimization of companies. You know, Colonial Pipeline isn't the only ransomware attack happening right now. Did you know it's also happening at the Washington, D.C. Police Department? Hackers have reportedly stolen all kinds of information, including personnel files of police officers, and they're constantly releasing them until their demands are met. Bottom line, Anthony, some of the top officials in this country say we could have other infrastructure, very vulnerable right now, of simultaneous attacks. Yeah, this is exposing how vulnerable we are, David. Thank you. This morning, House Republicans plan to remove Congresswoman Liz Cheney from her leadership position for opposing former President Trump. Cheney has been at odds with GOP members since voting to impeach Mr. Trump in January. On the House floor last night, she said Republicans who support phony claims of a stolen election are a threat to democracy. I am a conservative Republican, and the most conservative of conservative principles is reverence for the rule of law. The election is over. That is the rule of law. That is our constitutional process. Those who refuse to accept the rulings of our courts are at war with the Constitution. This is not about policy. This is not about partisanship. This is about our duty as Americans. Remaining silent and ignoring the lie emboldens the liar. I will not participate in that. I will not sit back and watch in silence while others lead our party down a path that abandons the rule of law and joins the former president's crusade to undermine our democracy. Chief Washington correspondent Major Garrett joins us now. Major, good morning. How significant is this vote? Let me give you a two-part answer. For everyday Americans, it is not significant, Anthony. I mean, we're talking about the number three leader in the House Republicans, which is the minority party in the House. Now, this is no aspersions against the Republicans, but that's like the third-string quarterback on the JV high school football team. You just don't have any power in the House of Representatives, and we're talking about the number three leader. So for Americans who are trying to figure out whether they should buy a gallon of gas or not or worried about inflation, this does not affect their life. But symbolically, it is massively important. Why? Because Lynch Cheney, in that speech and her overall remarks in the last three weeks, is laying down a marker, and the marker is this. Either you believe in the Constitution, federalism, the way we conduct our elections, and that this election is actually over, or you don't. And if you don't believe that, you're going to vote me out of office in a kind of a medieval ritual, like she's being stoned or burned at the stake. And she wants to be, because she wants the nation to see this moment for the Republican Party for what she says it is, a dividing line between truth and fiction. So what does it mean for the party symbolically going forward then, Major? It depends. Liz Cheney's long-term bet is... All of this stuff that former President Trump says about the election will, over time, fade away and become less toxic and less poisonous to the rank-and-file ranks of the House Republican Conference. That's her long-term bet. She's going to lose that today. But she believes once that washes through the party and former President Trump is no longer as relevant as he is now, she can rise up and the anti-Trump faction of the party can rise up. That is a very long-term bet. Right now she's going to lose it because everyone in the House Republican Congress who today votes her out will be voting with Donald Trump and by proxy with the big lie. 
I hear you, Major, but it's a secret ballot. So I still am trying to wrap my brain around the fact that she is probably going to be ousted for telling the truth. Something all these guys probably tell their children, tell the truth. Yep. Is it unrealistic or naive to think that because it is a secret ballot that maybe, just maybe, she could pull it out today? I think it's highly, highly unlikely. There's nothing that her people who work closely with her are anticipating other than being driven out of office. And her overall attitude about this is this is going to happen, but I want everyone to see it as it happens as sort of a slow motion marker for the Republican Party. And this is an interesting dynamic, Gail, because I was here in Washington covering Newt Gingrich back in the early 90s. He was the most powerful Republican in 1994 when he brought House Republicans to their first majority in 40 years. It was inconceivable that only four years later, his own House Republicans would throw him out of the speakership. But they yeah. did. Why? Because he became a problem in their home districts. They were tired of explaining Newt Gingrich. House Republicans are tired of explaining about Liz Cheney because pro-Trump House Republicans want to say we got rid of this person who disagrees with Trump and that's how I've proved my solidity to you Trump Republicans. That's where the party is right now. Liz Cheney will be the first and most conspicuous victim of that particular political mania. All right, a change in the party, Major. Thank you very much. The top U.S. general in Afghanistan says the next two weeks will be critical for the ongoing withdrawal of U.S.-led coalition forces. In an exclusive CBS News interview, General Scott Miller spoke with Charlie Daggett about the challenges U.S. troops and Afghan forces face amid a wave of Taliban attacks. Try managing this in 40-mile-an-hour crosswinds. Packing materials destined for U.S. bases. Just part of the heavy lift in the mission to draw down the last 2,500 or so U.S. troops in Afghanistan. An historic turning point under the watch of General Scott Miller. It's gone very well, and in some cases ahead of schedule. After almost 20 years of a continuous American presence here, dismantling it all is a mammoth task. It's not just about safeguarding the withdrawal of U.S. troops. It's weapons, equipment, machinery, an entire infrastructure. All while trying to defend against Taliban militants determined to settle scores as U.S. soldiers head for the exits. Have you had any trouble from the Taliban? Do you anticipate any trouble from the Taliban? The, today, we've seen a, uh, a couple incidents uh, of Taliban activity against the coalition. We have the military means and capabilities here to defend ourselves, as well as the Afghan security forces. Capabilities like U.S. airstrikes, launched after a Taliban attack on a U.S. base in the south, and Taliban fighters advancing against Afghan forces. As one May commenced, we saw a pretty, uh, pretty large surge of Taliban violence uh, across the country. In provinces, we expected... General Miller knows the Taliban playbook by heart. Just over a month after he took command, he drew his sidearm when a rogue Afghan bodyguard opened fire on their delegation, killing an Afghan lieutenant general and wounding a U.S. brigadier general. A former Delta Force captain, Miller was one of the first American soldiers on the ground in the U.S. invasion following 9-11. Now, America's longest war is being brought to an end by America's longest-serving commander in Afghanistan. Had you anticipated being here this long? Absolutely not. In 2001, I, I don't, don't ever think I could project 20 years later and see that we'd, we'd be standing here at... General Miller paid tribute not only to the Americans who are still here, but the tens of thousands who came before, especially those who lost their lives here. Gail. Charlie Daggett, a reporting from Kabul. Thank you very much.
Thank you for listening to the CBS This Morning podcast. Be sure to subscribe to get your morning news in under 20 minutes and daily podcast originals. You can watch the CBS This Morning broadcast Monday through Saturday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on your local CBS station or live on the CBS All Access app. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to CBS Mornings on the go ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip-syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with my producer, Becca. Becca, what's what's up? So The Late Show Pod Show is everything you love about The Late Show on oh, a I podcast. Want, I want to know about you. Oh. Enough. We, 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 people see everybody in an ad talks about the thing they're trying to sell. Oh. I'd like to know about you, the person behind creating the podcast. Oh, I'm having a really good day. Barry baked some bread and my friend Kara got me some chicken salad. It's a really nice day in the office today. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.